Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of She's in Tech hosted by This Dot Labs. I'm Lindsay Browning and I'm a senior software engineer at This Dot Labs. Joining me today is Susan Ma. Hey Susan. Hello, I am Susan Ma. I am currently working at StackBlitz as a community engineer uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Suki Supremo. Thanks Susan and our guest today is Paige Niedringhaus. Welcome Paige. Hello, thanks for having me. So my name is Paige Niedringhaus, and I am a staff software engineer at an IoT startup called Blues Wireless. And you can find me on Twitter at pniedri, P-N-I-E-D-R-I, because I choose terrible Twitter handles from very, very long ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Thank you very much, Paige. And you can find me on Twitter at lbrownin86. Our sponsor today is this.labs a best-in-class consultancy specializing in staff augmentation, architecture support, and leadership, and training for startup and enterprise organizations. Find out more at this.labs.com or send us an email at hi at this.co. So it's great to have you with us today, Paige. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you start by telling us a little bit about your background and how you got into tech? Sure. So I have a more non-traditional background and foray into tech. My my actual degree is in uh, business, and I studied that at university. I did marketing and advertising for the first five years of my career out of college. And then I decided that I didn't really want to do marketing and advertising anymore. I really wanted to be not the person necessarily managing projects and kind of keeping track of how things were coming along for clients, but actually one of the people building the solutions for our clients. So I, I had the opportunity to go back to school. And I did a four-month coding boot camp. And it was a completely immersive 16-week crash course in everything web development. And right as I graduated, I was able to land a contracting position for the Home Depot building software. And that was kind of my real beginnings in tech. And I've been doing it now uh, for the past five, five and a half years. And it's been, it's been an amazing journey. That's, that's amazing. I mean, that's quite a, a career switch as well, isn't it? <laughs> Going from business to something like coding. Like, how did you start that process? I mean, were, were there any sort of resources you were aware of immediately to, to get that boot camp? Or did you have to do you know, your own research and things like that? Well, I had to do my own research when I was looking into boot camps because I'm based in the Atlanta, Georgia area. So at the time that I was looking, there were probably three main boot camps that I was aware of. There was General Assembly, which a lot of people probably have in their cities. There was Digital Crafts, which is the one that I ended up going to, which is slowly expanding out as well. And I think they also do online, completely virtual cohorts now. And there was another one called Iron Yard. And I think that Iron Yard has since folded. But but those were really the three options that I had. But before I decided that coding boot camp was really what I wanted to do, I had done some online learning on my own. I had looked at Free Code Academy and or Free Code Camp and Code Academy and some of those other ones where you could just kind of get a taste of what coding is like. And that, I think, gave me the the conviction that if I was going to really do this completely, I needed to do a coding boot camp because it was great as a starter and a, a good foray into this is what coding looks like and this is kind of how it interacts. But taking all those pieces uh, 
that I'd learned through the tutorials and trying to stitch them together into this is how you build an actual web application and deploy it out online and people interact with it. That was kind of the the missing link that I couldn't seem to put together in my head, which is where the coding boot camp and, you know, being able to ask an instructor questions and have a TA help me code and and even bounce ideas off of other students really to me kind of solidified that I wanted to do something like that and try and fast track my learning process a little bit more than if I had done it completely on my own. Awesome. So I have a question kind of regarding your background with the programming boot camps. I actually also went through a boot camp. So I feel like I definitely feel you when it comes to that accelerated learning and trying to figure things out really quickly. After talking to a lot of other people, especially junior devs and people who are new to tech, I feel like there's typically three buckets, if you will, at least general buckets that I've heard often about. So the first one being going through college and getting a traditional computer science degree or going through some sort of programming boot camp, vocational school type of thing, or even just being self-taught. But for you, as, as someone who's gone through the programming boot camp route, is there anything that you feel like the programming bootcamp itself really prepared you really well for or something that was almost lacking and not lack because programming bootcamps are bad, but just lacking as in obviously you're working under a very tight time crunch. Sometimes you learn things just through experience, so it's impossible to necessarily teach. But I know a lot of people who are looking to transition careers and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are concerned, tech seems hard or I might be someone who is unable to get the support that I need to succeed. So is this really a good route for me? Do you have information to share to kind of give people a heads up on what they should expect from a programming bootcamp or to know like, hey, you might not get this from a programming bootcamp, but here's a different way you can get that support otherwise. Sure. I mean, there are absolutely those pros and cons of the traditional computer science route versus a programming boot camp. And and like you said, it's a really condensed timeline from a boot camp that you wouldn't necessarily get in a four-year college. So I think the things that are great about boot camps is that they teach you how to build sites very quickly, which is not necessarily the theory and the theoretical kind of practice that you would get in a computer science course. And that's great because that's what we're actually hired to do is build things. We're not hired to talk in theory about what is the big O notation of this particular instance <laughs> or algorithm, unless you're really writing that kind of stuff. But I think the, the vast majority of us as web developers are hired to build beautiful sites that are responsive and cool, do cool things for people and help businesses grow their business, whatever that might be. So I think that in terms of actually getting hands-on time to build things, which is what most of us end up doing in our jobs, boot camps are fantastic for that. But if you're really interested in the theoretical science behind computers and you know all the stuff that you would potentially go through in four years, or you want to write algorithms, or you want to do something that maybe is machine learning or AI powered or things like that, you're probably not going to get immediately hired out of a coding boot camp with that. You're probably going to need to go to a four-year degree and then maybe a master's and then maybe a PhD. So if you're really Mm -hmm. aiming for one of those like FANG technology companies or Tesla or something kind of really, really well-known and doing really cool stuff, you're probably going to have a much harder time with Mm -hmm. just 
your programming bootcamp background getting into one of those. And it's not impossible. It's absolutely not at all. But you're probably going to have to do a lot of extra work after you graduate from that bootcamp to bone up on those kinds of more theoretical things that those companies are probably going to ask you about in the interview process, even if you don't end up really using them on a day-to-day basis, which is what I've found. Because I've gone through a couple of interviews with places like Google and Amazon and Spotify and Zillow and things like that. And even though you're probably not going to be using a lot of that knowledge, they just want to know that you have it and you have kind of those groundings and foundational backgrounds So that's what you're probably not going to have as much time for when you're in a boot camp. But the flip side of that is that there is a lot of online resources if you're motivated to see those things. You know, Udemy has a bunch of good ones. Coursera has them. There's a lot of free resources where you can take CS 101 and 102 and and those sorts of classes if that's something that you're really are interested in. So it comes down to how much time do you have? Do you have four years to go to college and do this? Do you have four months and then you need to get a job and pay bills again? <laughs> and and what do you really want to do once you're done with the boot camp? Do you want to be a front-end developer? Do you want to be a back-end developer? Do you want to do stuff with machines or AI? Kind of, if you have an idea of where you want to go, that could help put you on the right course or the right direction towards what what is the right thing for you to do. Thank you for sharing that. I think along any of the buckets that we talked about, I feel like there's a really common misconception that after you're done with school, you know, whether it's the boot camp or college, that, okay, that's it. Like, you're going to get a job. And I think <laughs> that's a very dangerous mindset, a, a common one, and one that can easily see people just kind of thinking, but Mm -hmm. it's like, oh no, after school, like that's when the real work begins in terms of finding work. So I I appreciate that you're kind of laying out the realism and all of that, because it's, this industry is partially the way it is for a reason. It's very attractive to people for a reason, whether it's compensation, flexibility in work, problem solving, whatever it is, but that's why it's that much more difficult sometimes to to get in as well. So I definitely want to encourage people, anyone listening who's considering a boot camp or anything, uh, or even like school for computer science, like it is not just the school because yeah, you learn a lot of the theories and the applications, but there's so many other soft skills that you learn as well. And those will also lead you into your transition to finding a job. And it's great if you have resources to help you get a job right, right after you graduate. But I feel like that's not necessarily very common. And there are definitely people that may not get that right off the gate. So I I hope sort of in the future that we're able to help build resources to support people during that specific transition period, because I feel like that's something that's a little bit lacking, maybe not as accessible as the schooling portion of, of these things. But Paige, like being able to share all that, I feel like really gives people insight to what to expect. Um, obviously get to know you, but what to expect and make that informed decision for themselves. Like, is this the right path for me? If so, here are some of the hurdles or, you know, even the achievements that I can look forward to. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one thing that is not talked about as much is it's really, really, really hard to get that first job once you've finished school or or coding boot camp, whatever you've done. And I know that it's because it's 
it's really hard when you don't have experience on your resume to show that you can do what these employers are looking for. So one thing that actually helped me beyond just being told to apply for as many jobs as I could come across that had anything related to software development in them, because it's very much a numbers game, just apply, 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 was I met uh, a recruiter during my coding boot camp who was a technical recruiter and focused on placing candidates with companies. And that was that was really what helped me get in with the Home Depot because I applied with them directly and heard nothing back. And I had a, another girl in a cohort ahead of mine who had ended up there. And I think that she put in a good word for me, but same thing, no, no response. But this recruiter had worked with my hiring manager before and had placed candidates with him. So by by getting into contact with him and kind of keeping in contact as my co or my coding boot camp progressed because I met him maybe halfway through it when I definitely was not ready to even think about applying but keeping in contact with him as we got closer to the end of the the boot camp and graduation and things like that you know he was able to to bypass the resume black hole that most people end up just applying to blindly and and give me the opportunity to get on the phone with my manager, you know, and give him a really good technical or a phone interview. And then once I had passed the phone interview, I got to go into the office and pair with one of the developers and see how Home Depot does software development. And that was what ultimately landed me the job. But it's, it is absolutely about who you can know or meet or network with in terms of not just people at specific companies, but even recruiters who work with those companies to try and place candidates, because they can get you past that first hurdle of just getting through to who actually is doing the hiring, which is, I think that made all the difference for me. I would definitely second that. I, you know, when I talk to my cohort mates from Coding Bootcamp and just other people in the industry I'm talking to, I don't know if I can even count on one hand how many people are getting jobs through the traditional method of sending out hundreds of applications. And it's, I don't know, I'm always iffy about the term, it's all about who you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> but there are a lot of cases where it's like, hey, if people can tell that you're a good person and that you're willing to work hard and you're really willing to put in the time and the effort, like you're more likely to get on someone's good side, whether it's someone being open to having coffee talk with you, maybe even doing a code review or straight up just giving you an interview of some sort. And so I feel like, especially with everyone who's come on these, like our, this specific She's in Tech podcast, like one common thing that I think all of our hosts and probably listeners can agree to is everyone is just so nice. Like everyone seems like they have good intentions and that they're always willing to help other people. And so even if, you know, for me, just a few years ago, I was in the position where I felt super helpless as someone who's just starting a boot camp. I didn't really know anyone in the industry. I wasn't even really, I hear a lot of people of like, yeah, I've done studies on my own and I follow these specific companies and people on Twitter and, you know, I, I watch their projects and I wasn't doing any of that. And I was like, <laughs> oh man, it scared me because I was like, do I have to be like that in order to be happy and successful in this industry? Mm -hmm. And granted, these are things that I'm still learning. And, but I mean, I think one thing is for sure is that when people can tell, when people can feel like you're easy to talk to, you have good intentions and you know you're someone who wants to share your knowledge and help others 
I mean, I feel like that almost takes you further than the technical skills at times. Not to say you shouldn't work on technical skills. If you're going to be an engineer, you, you got it. That's like <laughs> majority of your job, of course. But like if you're awful to work with, if you're always in a bad mood or if you are condescending to people, it doesn't matter how smart you are. And I think good companies will recognize that. I think I don't want to call them bad companies, <laughs> but companies <laughs> that need more direction or guidance are ones who will keep toxic people in their companies to basically overcompensating for how awful they may be to work with. And I'm sure all of us have been in different teams or companies where that's happened. And it's just, it's not fun. It's not productive. Like you don't feel great going to work or finishing work. I mean, I guess you feel great when you're finishing work because you're done, but you know, it doesn't feel good. And I feel like that mental health aspect, being happy with what you do, like it really shapes your mindset to how open you are to learning new things and feeling constructive and productive. So, you know, I I really appreciate that. Paige, I feel like you're in a position where you're open to helping people. And especially with other things like your podcast that I know we'll talk about soon, like, what a great way to encourage people and to uplift people, even in an indirect way in that sense, right? Like you're not talking one-on-one to people all the time, but it's like, hey, you're sharing your knowledge or sharing your experiences and stories and also listening to other people who are sharing that so that in hopes that you know other people are able to gain something from this, maybe make a final decision on going into tech or even just knowing how to support other people. So I just, I'm so excited that we get to talk about that today because I think that's such a cool way to be in the technical space without necessarily having to code or having to be an engineer, but using blogs and podcasts and other ways to really create a community, I think is really important. Yeah. And Susan, I think you just hit on a great point, which is the the giving back aspect of the technical industry. And that was something that I really, I didn't understand until I started coding, but it has helped me so much in terms of both being becoming a better engineer, because the really the true way to know if you've learned something is to try and write about it or teach somebody else what you've learned. And it really reveals Mm -hmm. your own knowledge gaps and your understanding. And it's also a great way to show potential employers as well as people that you work with or people who are also learning on their own journeys, how you approach problems and how you problem solve, because that's the biggest part of our job is how how do I build this or I've hit an obstacle and how do I overcome it? So not only sharing how you figured out a solution, it, it shows somebody else how to do it if they hit that same roadblock, but it also gives people an insight into how you approach problems and how you think about them and, you know, what different things did you try that didn't work, but then you backtracked and you did it this way and it did end up working. So that kind of thing is is so good for building up your own credibility, especially if you don't have a, a CS background, but it shows you, you know, what you're learning, what you're working on, the things that you're interested in, as well as helping other people when they have similar issues, because we all feel like we're reinventing the wheel, but we're really not. We're just using different syntaxes and different language to build stuff that does the same things in the end. You know, users click buttons, they select things, and then something happens. We're just, we're just doing it with a nicer, like nicer UI or slightly a a cool animation or things like that. But in the end, it still kind of boils down to the same thing. So showing and, and helping other people to do what you're doing is, 
is huge. And it, it's really something that I wish I had started doing earlier in my career because I didn't start blogging until about two years after I'd been working as a developer. And I only wish that I had had the confidence and the, the mentorship because it was actually a senior engineer who encouraged me to start writing to do it earlier because it's opened so many doors for me and in so many different ways. It's, it's interesting to hear you talking about reinventing the wheel because I've quite often heard people when they when they they talk about blogging and getting into blogging quite often saying I can't write this blog post because it's been done a thousand times mm-hmm. or you know there's so many different versions of this post but it's not as you say it's not about that it's about sort of cementing your own knowledge right what you've learned and sharing that with other people it's so important to remember that you know the the listeners. Just, just write. If you want to write, then write. It doesn't matter what's out there and what's already been done before. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Is is Everybody has probably written about the topic that you're writing about, but nobody has said it in the way that you are. And that might just be the way that clicks with somebody else who's trying to get that concept and just hasn't hasn't had it explained to them the way that you're going to explain it. And that might be that might be the one thing that they need to have that light bulb moment. And then it makes sense. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. That's so true. That light bulb moment. Moment. I will say I am a doom scroller. I will keep going till page 28. <laughs> and I can't tell you, especially when it comes to coding, it's like there's so many different ways to explain something and there's so many different ways to interpret something. But I'll tell you what, when I was looking something up, I remember like I was on page, no joke, like 17 or something. And it was like a blog post from three years ago from someone who literally only wrote three blog posts <laughs> in general. And I and it I had that light bulb moment where I was like, oh my gosh, this is clicking. Now I don't know if it clicked because I've already read a hundred blog posts before that. And it's like the accumulation of all these different, you know, you know, ways that people interpret the info. But I just remember thinking how funny it was that this was not a well-known blog necessarily. Again, this was a blog post from years and years ago, but I was like, and it helped me solve my problem. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, I encourage people, no matter what stage you are, whether you're a beginner, junior, senior, principal, whatever, I feel like like knowledge is so valuable and there's so much that people can learn from you. So even if you feel like you're not a great writer, like I, I go through this all the time where I'm like, I don't want to write a blog. No one's going to read it and no one's going to understand what I'm saying. But it's like, keep in mind that you're also doing this for you, not just for other people to read. But this is a great way, in my opinion, when you're able to write something out, it's a great way to kind of reinforce your learning, almost in the same principle as when you're 
um, teaching something that you learned. Like when you're teaching someone else, it kind of reinforces what you understand. But also I feel like for a lot of people, it's just a really great outlet. And I would definitely encourage people like just try it once. You know what I mean? Just try it once. See how you feel. See what kind of traction it gets or just see if you have a better understanding of what you wrote about. And I think that can really change the trajectory of someone who's um, maybe insecure or just unsure about their career path or what they're learning. Because, man, like that's and that's something that I actually really appreciate this thought doing where they encourage all of their employees, whether you're engineers or part of a different department, to, to write a blog post about. And I remember when I was with them, I had written a blog post about sort of my transition from their apprenticeship program going into a full-time role. And I was like, I was like petrified. I was like, how am I going to write this? Who's going to read this? Like, it's going to be so boring. And then as I was writing it, I, I, I remember thinking like, this is, I can make this my own. So I was putting in all these cute pictures and bullet points and emojis. And even like when I, it's crazy when people will be like, hey, I read your blog post about this, this, and this. And I'm like, excuse moi, like you saw what? <laughs> so it's a really cool feeling, even if it was not great feedback. If someone was like, I didn't like your blog post. It's still crazy to me where I'm like, oh, you saw it though? Like you mm-hmm. read it? And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just funny how, it can work out that way. And I think it's really hard to imagine what that's like if you haven't done it yet. So I really do encourage people, just try it once. Just try it once, see how you feel and see how it goes. If it's not your thing, that's okay. But at least you can say you tried and now you find a different outlet uh, to you know reinforce your learning and whatever it is. So. Yeah, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be writing blog posts. I like that because I like writing. And so this was an opportunity for me to flex those skills. And I just started on Medium. You know, I went with the lowest possible friction option that there was at the time. And now dev.to is out and all these other platforms. But I started with Medium. I wrote every couple of weeks. And the first couple blogs that I did, they probably are not very good now that I look back at them. And they're very non-technical even. They're about my experience at boot camp and how I got my job at Home Depot, how I went from a contractor to a full software engineer after six months. So there, there's not a whole lot of technical. There's a lot more talking about how overwhelming the boot camp was in terms of the amount of stuff that we learned and good advice that I got from my coding, from my teacher and from TAs. And then when I got into Home Depot, advice from my manager and other senior engineers on the team. Um, so it's very you know, you just got to start somewhere. And the, the first ones are not going to be very good. You can almost guarantee it. And then as you start to find a rhythm or you start to figure out what it is that you really enjoy learning about and then maybe teaching others about, that's that's kind of how you find it. But maybe, like I said, writing is not your thing. Maybe you want to make YouTube videos and you can, you know, show somebody how you wrote this code or be on podcasts or give conference talks, you know, find something or even just mentor somebody else on your team as you get more senior into your career and you get more the hang of either the team that you're with or the company that you work with or whatever, or even people who are thinking about going to boot camp offer to be you know, somebody that your boot camp can say, hey, talk to this person. They graduated from here. If you want to learn more about what it was like or you have specific questions that we can't answer at kind of a, an informal open house type of thing. There's so many ways that you can help other people and and share what you know. Yeah, definitely. 
I mean, going back to your previous point about, you know, revisiting old blog posts and realizing you could, the further, the more you've done, the more you've improved. And the same can be said for, for coding, right? You know, sometimes we think to ourselves, I, I feel like I haven't improved or I feel like I'm not making progress. But it's not until you, you go back and you look at your previous code and you realize, okay, yes, I've definitely improved. I can, you, you, you know, you pointed out the mistakes in your, your code two years ago. I think that's another a good way to really solidify in your mind how far you've come as a developer. We forget to do that sometimes. Oh, yeah. I mean, the best is when you look at a, a shared code base with your team and you're like, who wrote this? This is terrible. <laughs> and then you run Git blame and it's you, obviously. Like, what was I thinking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I've had that experience so many times. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, and one thing that I, I almost forgot, but you kind of brought it back, Lindsay, was I write those blog posts as much for my future self as for me, because there's definitely stuff that I have done, I don't know, just a handful of times. And it was very complicated or it was it was extremely useful at the time. But then I know that I'm not going to use it again for six months or a year. So having that documented somewhere that I can go yeah. back to and look at is really helpful for future me too. Definitely. <laughs> so Paige, you're currently working in an IoT startup, Internet of Things. What 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 is that? What what does sort of that entail? Well, it's I'm not as much on the the hardware side of things as you might think when I say IoT startup. So the company that I work for is called Blues Wireless, and they were started by or they were started by Ray Ozzy, who used to be um, a chief architect for Microsoft and the creator of Lotus Notes and a couple of other just really gigantic tech things. So. I joined about six months ago, and at the time that I joined, Blues is just starting to take off in terms of we're trying to build up our user base and teach people who want to do Internet of Things connected devices how to use our hardware. So I'm actually on the the web development side of things where I help build the website, both for you to learn more about what Blues does in general, and then how to take the hardware that we make and add it to an existing or a new IoT device. And what we do in particular is we do cellular connectivity. So you can have a device that maybe is uh, a vehicle that you have traveling around in a city, or maybe it is some farm equipment that's out in the field, and you wouldn't necessarily have Wi-Fi, but you would have most likely cell signal. And so with our device, you can have that thing out in the field or that vehicle driving around, and you can still keep track of it, whether it's, you know, mm. keeping track of the vehicle's location or it is checking that the feeder, you know, dispensed food for the cows or the water sprinkler system watered the fields or something went wrong and you need to go check on it. So that's that's kind of what we're doing. And we're helping developers who are building these sorts of, of end use products to use our hardware to, to make that possible. Um, so it's been it's been a completely different industry than what I was doing with Home Depot, but it's been really fun to kind of get into something that I really had next to no experience in. It it, it does sound like a really interesting job, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> what what technologies are you working with currently? Are there any sort of front end frameworks you're using? 
Yeah, we're using a couple. Um, Hugo is what our main site is built with. So I had no prior experience with Go at all. So I've gotten a a good bit of it um, since starting with that. And then the other main technology that we work with is Next.js. So that Mm -hmm. is definitely my React skills that I got to build up and hone at the Home Depot coming into play but with all sorts of kind of new, unique twists and turns because we we connect over USB to devices and help configure them and set them up before we let them loose in the wild. So, you know, there's things like working with serial APIs and there's we can remotely talk to some of our products and there's learning how to do that. So there's a lot of stuff that I was able to transfer in terms of web pages and interactions and things like that. But then there's all sorts of new little nuances that are specific to Internet of Things technology that really makes it interesting and and challenging again in, in new ways that I didn't ever consider were possible before. Yeah. And throughout your career, you know, as you've started to progress and wanting to pick up new things and new technologies, have you kind of always sought out a mentor to help you with that? And like, if so, how how have you gone about that in, in your past career? Well, I didn't always look for mentors and I probably should have been, but it really, it was, I was very lucky in that a lot of the people who ended up mentoring me kind of presented themselves to me. Yeah. So when I was at Home Depot, probably within the first three or four months after joining there, one of the senior engineers on my team who has since gone on to become a manager of a team. And I knew I knew he was going to do that from the get-go. He's just one of those people who really enjoys mm-hmm. building up engineers and helping raise the team up to another level. He took me under his wing. And so we would mm-hmm. we would probably meet once every couple of weeks or once a month and just talk about how did he get to the level that I wanted to to be at because he was always at least a level or two beyond me in terms of seniority. And so I was able to, and he'd been with Home Depot when I joined for probably four or five years. So I was really able to learn from him how he got there and get, you know, ideas and inspiration for how I could help myself stand out and impress my managers and help the team get better. And so it was really, I was really lucky in that I didn't have to go out looking for it. And then when there were people who came along underneath me, I was able to offer them the same kind of thing. And I think that that's really, that's great if you have that. But if you're looking for a mentor, I would say, you know, start looking within your own company if possible. Find somebody who is where you want to be and just ask them if you can meet with them and kind of hear how they got there. And maybe that will, you know, give you the opportunity to, to start to learn what it is that you need to do to to get to that next level if it's not not always very clear to you. Yeah, I, I kind of went through a similar experience myself. I guess it all boils down to to trust within you, like especially if it's someone within your own team, if you trust them enough that you know that you, you feel comfortable and go into them and asking the asking them these questions. Mm-hmm. I think that's that really helpful. I've, some of my best mentors have been people I've worked in direct teams with. Yeah, you're right. Well one thing that kind of that also comes to mind from that is that it's not if there is not somebody in your team who is really somebody that you would trust to do that. Maybe it's a friend of yours or somebody that you've met online. It could, doesn't mm-hmm. have to be necessary, necessarily in your geographic region. Um, 
You know, there are people that I've met through Twitter and LinkedIn who are either kind of stuck in their current careers or they're not sure where they need to go next to get out of whatever situation they're in. And just being able to, you know, hear what they're saying and then make make suggestions for how they can get going forward again, I think is really is really helpful. So it's not, you know, you could you'd be surprised, like you said, how friendly people in this industry can be and how open they can yeah. be to to trying to help get you to wherever it is that you want to go next. It's, it's a really good point to make as well, um, given, you know, the kind of climate where remote working is so, it's the normal now, isn't it? So we have the opportunity to seek out anyone in the world more, more easily and more freely. It's definitely something to, to look at. Susan, I'm conscious we, we're running out of time. Do you have any questions that you'd yeah, like to ask? Just, uh, I guess, on? you know, I think there's been a lot of good information that we've all shared. And Paige, I was just wondering, just sort of a, as a last, any final tips for people, maybe people who are new to the industry trying to pursue tech or maybe even specifically women in tech? Uh, any tips that you feel like you've either given often or you feel like you've received and really helped you that you can share with our listeners? Well, for women in tech in particular, I think that one thing that I I know it's sometimes seen as a disadvantage that we're a much smaller amount of the programmers that are out there. But actually, I see it as an opening, I guess, because sometimes you can use the gender gap as a way to get your foot in the door at a company that maybe if you were a male, you might not otherwise get a second look from. So use that to your advantage when it happens, you know, get your foot in the door and then knock them, knock their socks off with how good of an engineer that you actually are. Um, so I would say don't let it discourage you that maybe there are no other female engineers on your team or at your company, depending on the size of it or something like that. Just go in there and really show them what you've got. And then in terms of getting into tech in general, I would say the sooner that you can start showing what you know, whether that's through writing or videos or going to talk and show what you've done, the sooner you can start kind of giving back in the community and putting yourself out there, the the better off you're going to be. Because that, for me, that I think really changed my career trajectory because suddenly people outside of Home Depot and my team could see what I was what I was learning and what I was building. And then podcasts started asking me if I wanted to come on and talk about some of the projects or some of the blogs that I'd written and conferences were, you know, sending RFPs. And I even I was even asked and wrote a course this past year on modernizing enterprise React applications. And all of that kind of came about because I just kept putting more content out there and sharing what I was learning and developing a good writing style that apparently resonated with people so much so that I got to then write a whole course and and do videos and code and all of that for for a company. So just start making stuff besides code and you'll be amazed at what will start to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's some really great advice there. Thank you, Paige. Okay, so it's time for picks. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and 
having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Now, picks are part of the show where we share something that we find interesting with the community. This doesn't necessarily have to be tech-related, but I will give my pick for today, which is kind of tech-related. It is adventofcode.com. If anyone hasn't heard of that before, it's an advent calendar of programming challenges to solve throughout the month of December. This happens every year. And as you as you know, we're in December, so the coding challenges are already being released for this year. People re- race to become the fastest to solve these problems. But for me, it's not about that. It's it's just about doing something different to what I would normally do in my day job. Thinking outside of the box, um, just having a chance to work on something that I wouldn't normally do on, on day to day. Um, so that's adventofcode.com forward slash 2021. And we'll get that link shared with, with the listeners shortly. Susan, do you like to share your pick? Yes. So, oh man, I'm so sorry. I might butcher this name, so I apologize. But I love handbags and like small leather goods and stuff. So especially during the holidays, it's been kind of hard not to look at those things, see what's on sale, see how long delivery is going to be and see, ooh, do I want to buy this now or next week? So um, I found this company called, and I, I'm so sorry if I butcher this, but Vaughn Halshausen. I will have that link in, in the podcast page and everything. So, but this is a company that focuses on like non-animal leather. So they're, they use something called Technic Leather and it's 100% animal free. It's a much more sustainable leather alternative. Um, and it has a much smaller carbon footprint compared to other companies that use leather. And um, I just love the design. It's very simple. It's very minimal. And I feel like you can dress it up, dress it down. And I recently got, um, I think it's called their large shopper tote. And it's large enough to fit my 13 inch laptop. It's really comfortable to wear. And I love that they use a lot of neutral colors as well. When it comes to design, like they don't necessarily have very colorful designs, but I actually really like the simplicity of that. And I believe the creator of this, she actually used to like help design cars for like Mercedes and Tesla and stuff. So I think if you're a fan of those kind of designs, although I'll be honest, I don't know how to exactly articulate that. Um, definitely check out their website for different products. Like uh, they do handbags, they do smaller accessories like laptop pouches, tablet pouches, small bags, wallets and whatnot. So um, especially for the holidays, if you're interested in having those kind of products yourself, or maybe you know someone who might be interested. And if you're someone in particular who wants to help enrich our earth a little bit more, you know, less carbon footprint, no abuse to animals and things like that, I definitely recommend taking a look. And then Paige, we are ready for your pick. (laughs) That's awesome. I'm going to have to check out your pick, Susan. But my pick this week is going to be for something that's been around for quite a while. It is Wemo Switches. And this kind of ties into the holidays as well. You know, we have a Christmas tree up at our house. We have lights outside in the front, but we only want them to come on at certain times. Like the Christmas tree, I'd love to be on all day while I'm working and I can see it. But at night, of course, when we go to bed, it can turn off. And the same for the lights, have them be on during the night, but not during the daytime. So the Wemo switches are the easiest way that I have found yet to program that kind of thing. You don't need special light bulbs. You don't need special timers, which we used to have that never quite work the way that they're supposed to. And it's controllable by your phone. So you just plug it into the socket. You tell it when you want it to be on or be off. It 
automatically syncs up to the time based on your phone and it's done. So I would definitely encourage that for anything that you need timers for or just simple kind of home programming type of things. It's been a lot of fun to play around with those. That sounds like a lot of fun. Definitely. Okay, Paige, it's been an honor to speak with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, um, I'm sure I can attest to both me and Susan and say we've had a lot of fun speaking to you today. Where can people find you if they want to continue this conversation? Well, they can find me on Twitter at pnidri, P-N-I-E-D-R-I. I have my own website, which is my full name, which we will post because it's way too long to spell <laughs> in the show notes. But really, if you search for my name online, there's only one of me. So you'll you'll be able to find me pretty easily that way. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you very much. And if anyone would like to reach out to me, I'm Lindsay Browning, and you can find me on Twitter at lbrowning86. What about you, Susan? Yeah, so anyone who wants to continue this conversation or ask questions, you can find me on Twitter at Suki Supremo. And yeah, just thank you everyone for listening in. Thank you, Paige, for being an awesome guest and sharing a lot of your knowledge and tips with us. Lindsay, as always, being an awesome host. Well, thank you for having me. It's been really fun to be on and talk to you both. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Bye. See ya. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.